0: Today's Skimmed from the Couch is presented by AC Hotels by Marriott. It's a global hotel brand that's dedicated to perfecting the essentials.
1: If I keep doing what I'm doing, there's a 100% chance I'll be unhappy. If I try something new, there's a 50% chance I'll be unhappy. Statistically, I should really just try something new.
0: Today's guest is Vicky Sai,
2: founder of Tatcha Beauty Products. After a life-changing trip to Kyoto, where a modern-day geisha introduced her to classical Japanese beauty rituals, Vicky gave up her high-powered corporate trajectory to form her own brand. It's now one of Sephora's top brands and will be celebrating its 10-year anniversary soon. Leading a beautiful life goes beyond the skin deep for Vicky. With its philanthropic mission, Tatcha helps to fund Room to Read, which promotes literacy and education for girls in Asia and Africa. Vicky, welcome to the couch. We are so excited to have you here, and we want to get into what sparked this and how you built it. So thank you.
1: The honor is mine. Thanks for having me.
0: So let's jump in. Skim your resume for us. Oh,
1: my resume. I started out life as a credit derivatives trader here in New York City. Oh, my God. Yes, I apologize for that. (laughs) (laughs) And then I um, worked at a nonprofit also based here in New York City that focuses on providing educational opportunity for kids in underserved communities. Then I went to business school. And then while I was in business school, I worked for one of the largest beauty care companies in the world, and I treated my face like a science experiment, and I caved my safe acute dermatitis. So I had bleeding and blistering and scaling on my face for three years, including my lips and eyelids. After that, I graduated, and I worked for Starbucks, and my job was to launch their consumer products business in China. Um, So I think a week after graduating business school, I was in Shanghai, taking out garbage at four in the morning at Starbucks and setting up those uh, umbrellas and and uh, tables. They're very heavy. <laughs> <laughs> then I was recruited to San Francisco to head up marketing for a startup out of Berkeley, where these scientists wanted to provide sustainability ratings for consumers. And the first vertical that they were doing ratings on were personal care products. So I learned the ins and outs of the science and sustainability of personal care. I was kind of grossed up of what I learned. And then one day I just woke up and I said I choose happiness. And I didn't know what I wanted to do with my career, but I knew that it wasn't what I was doing. So I quit with probably 300 to 400,000 in debt at that point between business school and a mortgage. And I had no plan and I started traveling. My heart wow. is racing for
0: you. <laughs> I love that you say choose happiness. A lot of people associate happiness with financial security, and rightly or wrongly. Mm -hmm. And your path very clearly states that you didn't associate those two things because you had hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. How did you think about that?
1: That's a really good question. I did grow up associating happiness with financial security. My parents were first-generation immigrants to the US, and so success equaled making their sacrifices worth it and trying to make them proud. Then when I was 21 and I was working on Wall Street, um, I was actually working at Merrill Lynch, which was one of the buildings down at Ground Zero. So I was at Ground Zero for 9-11, and I was 21 years old. And then I had to stay there and continue to work there while they excavated the site. For the next several months and so that's how I started my career and I realized that day that life is a gift and that if I'm going to spend the waking hours of my life working and my work didn't have meaning to me then I don't know if my life would end up having much meaning to me and so I started becoming really impatient at that point about um, finding a way to do work that would somehow be meaningful and um, pay the bills that's how i ended up doing so many different jobs and then 10 years later i felt a little bit like that story where you have the three little bears this one's too big this one's too small but i couldn't find one that was just right but all i knew is that i'm responsible for my own happiness and so when i quit without a plan i just knew that i had to start with the goal meaning and happiness, and then work backwards.
2: One thing I was fascinated by and really jealous of when we were reading about you is you seem to be a very routine-based person. Can mm. you talk about what your mornings look like?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I wake up normally about 4.30 if I'm in San Francisco. Yeah. That's the part where I like had I to stop reading for that. a second. Awesome. And I was like, oh my God, four 30? But, but I go to sleep at 8.30 like a child. <laughs> so, like, but really, like, clear. so you
0: don't go to dinners? No. So you're invited to a dinner, you don't go. I will do dinner with people
1: if they will meet me at five.
0: We think more like the work dinner scene.
1: Mm-mm, unless they will meet me at five, because I have to go to I bed. It's my bedtime. I'm so
2: <laughs> jealous of that. Um, okay, so you get up at four thirty, mm-hmm. and then what?
1: My, because it's like dark. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, yeah. It's evolved a little bit. Um, I used to get up and do. Uh, work out, but I hurt myself, so I haven't done that recently. Then I used to get up and do a couple hours of emails, but then I realized that's not really the best use of that time where your mind is really clear and you can make really good choices and be creative. So now I'll get up and I'll journal for a little bit, and then I'll try to tackle the bigger, kind of harder thinking stuff. And then my daughter wakes up and then I get her ready for school and then we're off to the races.
2: Wait, I got one more question on the routine. Uh When we were reading about you, it came across you tend to dress monochromatically, same makeup, Uh um, same breakfast. Is that true? Uh And what does that help you do?
1: I'd read in the New York Times about decision fatigue and how the human brain can only make a very small number of good decisions a day because it requires so much energy. And it was like a really small number. I don't remember the exact number. It was like a single digit number, like eight. And so I thought, oh my goodness, if I use my good decisions in the morning to figure out what I'm going to wear and what I'm going to eat and how I get to work, I'm I'm only left with five at work, <laughs> so I have to save all the decision making to the ones that matter. You guys deal with this too. You're doing no, so much. No, we're doing no, it Vicky, wrong. We're no, hot mess. apparently. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm like I get up too Literally, late. Literally, <laughs> what we were talking about before we came in here is that we don't look good and that we're really tired. You look
1: beautiful.
0: Thank but, you so much That's the end you. of our talk today. Time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we did
2: not pay Vicky to be on this podcast. <laughs> thank you.
0: Um, okay, I want to talk about how you got this aha moment. You know, you talk about you, you literally used your face as a science experiment and yeah, suffered, don't do that. <laughs> suffered because of it, which is obviously very traumatic. Mm-hmm. We know you travel nonstop now, but we know that in coming out with Tatcha, you, you actually had this aha moment on one mm-hmm. of your travels. So sort of just walk us through
1: the aha moment, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started traveling. Because I was really lost and I wanted to find myself. Because of the dermatitis, the only thing I could use on my face was Aquaphor, which is fabulous. Wait,
0: also, so I just want to clarify: so you were in debt, but were you putting travel on credit cards?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just clarifying. Maxed yeah. them all the way out. Rolled them. Rolled them. rolled, it's rolled Great. Them. And so I always look like this greasy hot mess because I was putting basically a very thick Vaseline on my face. And when I was going to Asia for Starbucks, I would fly through Japan and um, I would get these blotting papers that would help control the shine. And then when I ran out of them and I wasn't working at Starbucks anymore, I tried to find them in the US and I couldn't. All the ones here are from like toilet paper companies and they leave like paper on your face, which is a good look. <laughs> and so I called my friend from Starbucks, Japan, and I was like, where do we get these again? And she said, oh, they're from Gold Leaf Companies. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, they're hammering papers for gold leaf. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And so on a whim, I ended up in Kyoto and I went to go find these papers. And indeed, I went to a gold leaf workshop where all they have is gold. Like there's gold everywhere, like gold on their eyelashes, gold on their clothes, just gold everywhere. And they showed me the hammering process and they showed me how they turn gold into gold leaf and the hammering papers that prevent you from getting a big gold hammer and I was like, I don't understand how the byproduct of the gold leaf making process becomes one of the first beauty care items ever. And they said, you'd have to ask a geisha or a kabuki actor, because we used to throw these papers out at the end of the night, and they would come get them. And then I was like, Are they? I know kabuki actors are real. Are geisha real? And they're like, of course they're real. And I was like, can I meet one? They're like, yeah. And so they introduced me, and I was asking her about her makeup, not because I wanted that look, but I knew it predated the petrochemical industry. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe I can learn something from this that can of irritate my skin. Because at that point everything was irritating my skin. And then she told my translator and I where to go find the things that she got. And I'm not Japanese, I'm Taiwanese American. So my translator and I went and these geisha were flitting in and out of the store without any makeup on. And so during the day they're like models or like um, dancers, they keep very fresh and their skin was glorious they had like eight-year-old skin like not 20-year-old skin yeah. like eight-year-old yeah. skin wow. and so i like surreptitiously like saw what they would grab they grabbed an oil, <laughs> i grabbed an oil they grabbed a powder i grabbed a powder and then i left with this this box of things that i didn't know what it was they were almost more like raw materials than than formulas and my translator had to put these little sticky notes on them and um said you know combine combine with water turn it into a paste put it on your face i took it home Um, I used most of it wrong (laughs) but eight weeks later my skin healed and this is after three years of oral and topical steroids and antibiotics. So then I'm in San Francisco and I went to um, Japantown, Chinatown, Koreatown, eBay and to try to find these things and I couldn't find them and at the same time I was using these blotting papers again and when I held them I just saw this beautiful history that they're like the embodiment of hundreds of years of history. And I fell so in love with it that I called my husband because he was still in San Francisco at the time. Um, and I said, I, I think I want to bring these to America. And um, I said, but I have to buy 10,000 of them. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, where are you going to get the money? We don't have the money. And I, I literally went, also, my engagement ring. I went to
2: Kyoto and I ate gold leaf ice cream. So <laughs> so good. Our trips are very different.
1: It tastes a little like pennies, though, right? <laughs> yeah. It does.
0: It's really interesting. It's
1: good for the gram, though. I'm yeah.
0: so fascinated by your thought process, especially as it relates to finances. There's lots of things that I would like to do, and there are lots of things that I can't afford to do. I've never been at the point, knock on wood, where I'm like, I'm going to sell this ring, this thing that's probably the most important thing. Just walk us through like how you kind of make these decisions to sort of keep opening doors for yourself. What is your thought process? Because you talk about the importance of decision making now, but yeah. did you have that decision making prowess early on?
1: I mean, for me, it's its always this very easy calculus of like upside downside. So people ask me all the time, when you started the company, were you scared? And um, I was, but I wasn't because I thought if i keep doing what i'm doing there's a 100% chance i'll be unhappy if i try something new there's a 50% chance i'll be unhappy statistically i should really just try something new <laughs> wow.
0: i feel like that i feel like an idiot
2: we'll get back to that in a minute but first let's talk about something that every guest on this show deals with, including us, and that's traveling for business. We calculated we were on like 23 flights, a different hotel every night for the month of June. And it was amazing book tour. We're so happy we did it. One of the biggest takeaways is learning about what helps on the road. And a great hotel is like the only thing we wanted at the end of the day. And we found that with AC
0: Hotels by Marriott. AC Hotels, they really built the hotel with a designer's eye. So every hotel is equal parts, just really beautiful to look at. Seriously, look at their Instagram, but also functional. Everything from the guest rooms to the lobby to their lounge are designed to know what you need before you need it. It's intuitive, which is really, really helpful. In the US, AC Hotels has over 45 locations in cultural hubs uh, with plans to double that, not to mention their global expansion. So visit AC Hotels at achotels.marriott.com to learn more.
2: What I find to be really interesting about the story you just told is that it makes total sense when you think about working backwards from you started a skincare company, right? But not from the perspective of you went on this trip and this is happening all in like real time. Like it's a great story working backwards. When you were in that store, did you feel like this was going to be a pivotal moment in your life?
1: Mm -mm.
2: That's amazing. Like this story is incredible. So take us – through what happens next. You're with the ring. Uh-huh. And you're like, okay, I'm going to sell it. First yeah. of all, how'd you sell it?
1: I called the guys that I bought it from here in New York City. And I said, I'm starting a company. I need the money back. Can I... Can I sell you the ring and, and so they can sell it to someone else? And so they held it in their in their safe until somebody wanted to buy it and, and propose to his girlfriend. and I was so happy for him. Um, <laughs> but it, it didn't go that far. It only bought the first round of inventory. But then after that I was like, oh gosh, I need merchandising units. I need collateral. I need a website, I need design. I need a lawyer for IP, even though it's just blotting papers because starting a company. And so then I needed more money. So then I ended up working like four jobs. but well, I was pregnant too.
0: What were your jobs?
1: I just, this is just like I, I'm not I, even I'm
0: not even gonna like laugh anymore because uh, I like I've never met anyone like you so I just want to know like you yeah have,
1: because you're like me we're no I'm same. not like we're you. the same animal
0: no Vicki, I'm not like you have a Zen quality to you that I don't know what that is like so I want to know what your <laughs> four sure. jobs were
1: yeah um the sexy ones were I uh, consulted for a global beauty care company um to the board of directors about a digital strategy that was the sexy one the other ones um I was a super for my building. So I remember doing an interview with, I think Vogue on the phone. And while I'm on the interview, someone's banging on the door and I open the door and he's like, my toilet's broken. And I was like, give me one second. <laughs> uh, so there's that. Um, I rented out apartments for my landlord. And so that would be like going in and cleaning up the place, taking pictures, listing it on Craigslist, trying to make it sound very sexy, um, you know, handling all of that. And I got 400 bucks a pop for that. So that was great. And um, then I also developed a uh, skincare line for another brand.
0: So we read, and, and tell us if this is true or not, you were nine months pregnant, you went to go pay for your groceries and you couldn't pay for them.
1: Yeah, at Single Safeway, which is where you go if you want to pick someone up. So you put bananas in your cart.
0: Single Safeway. <laughs> oh my God, I just got what you meant by yeah. single. I thought you meant like, an ice, like a standalone. Yeah. because <laughs> <twice>. um,
1: <laughs> oh so everybody around me is sexy and I'm pregnant. And then my groceries, I can't take them home.
0: So once again, in this interview, my heart is racing for you. <laughs> what was your mental state at this moment? Were you terrified or did you just believe this was going to work?
1: Um, You know, the hard part is not whether you're going to run out of money and hit financial destruction because you can always get another, you can always get another job, right? We have good educations. We live in a country where um, you can get a great paying job if you have the right credentials. And so I always had that as my my backup, as my education. Mm-hmm. Um, the hard part is letting go of what people think of you. That I think is a bigger risk. But I just figured, you know, shame is a train that left this station long ago.
2: Did you initially struggle with that? Because in this story, the way you're telling it, it's kind of like, that seemed to never be something that crossed your mind. Were you worried about what people would think?
1: Mm. You get so used to it. Like I remember at one point when I was renting out apartments, it was in this neighborhood in San Francisco where a lot of other people from my business school lived. And they're all management consultants, investment bankers, corporate lawyers. And um, when I was in business school, I was one of the only traders. And so people asked a lot of questions to me in business school because they wanted to go into trading. It was a sexy job at the time. There's a new sexy job every year, but that was a sexy job at the time. And so I remember wearing sweatpants that were not maternity leave sweatpants. And I want you to imagine Humpty Dumpty in sweatpants, right? (laughs) They're not really sticking up. So I'm holding them with one hand and I probably look like more of a hot mess than you'll ever know what that looks like. And I'm trying to rent out this apartment to a guy I went to business school with. And he was like, is this your apartment? And I was like, no. And he was like, why are you renting it out? And I was like, for the money. And I remember he looked at me like, oh my God, like what happened right. to you? Like my, how the mighty have fallen. But I remember thinking, um, it's better than being unhappy. What did your parents think? That I had lost my finger lick in mind, yeah. but they're also the most supportive people in the world. Like on one hand, they're like, you're killing me. I haven't slept in two months. I'm so stressed out. And on the other hand, they're like, what do you need? What did your husband think? My husband is the most zen person in the world, so he was always like, okay, do you want to hear a secret that I've never really told anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the couch. Okay. (laughs) So he can count cards. (laughs)
2: oh my god i love this <laughs>
1: Danielle, you are my Danielle favorite, favorite are your husband. couple <laughs> yeah he went to mit twice and his fraternity was the one in rounders stop <laughs> it stop
2: it why didn't you just put him to work
1: well like, he does work for us now he used to report to me but that wait, was not good so he then, doesn't report to I'm me i'm gonna anymore. talk about that he used to go down to this tournament in silicon valley and um most of the people there are like harvard people and I'm Harvard people and we're not as good at math as MIT people and nobody can deny that. And he also kind of has a simple face. He he always is kind of like... So he's hard to read. He's hard to read because he just doesn't look like yeah. he's thinking about a lot. I love you, honey, but it's true. <laughs> and so he would go and he'd play poker every Tuesday night and it was a big enough tournament that like people didn't they couldn't really yeah. remember who was who. And so he would leave, and my daughter and I would say, um, Big money, big money, baby needs new shoes. Cause she like literally needed shoes. Cause she would, was often like barefoot, cause I like, couldn't afford shoes. And then we would wake up in the morning and there would be a stack of cash. It was like being married to a stripper. Stop <laughs> that, that we paid her bills. You guys are my favorite couple.
2: <laughs> this is amazing. Oh my God, hands Holy down.
1: Shit. This is exclusive right here at the skip. <laughs> I mean, what? Wow. Hopefully the IRS doesn't come after
0: us. Okay. So, You're you're getting the stripper money, baby's getting a new pair of shoes. Yeah.
1: A few. A few pairs of shoes. Yeah.
0: (laughs) At what point does this now become Tasha, the way we know
1: Tasha? I mean, we're the overnight success story that took 10 years.
0: Walk me through year one and two. Like how did this become
1: a a real acquisition because someone told me that you've locked into a concept that is big and beautiful and luxurious, and if you love it like your child? Because also we launched the day I was in labor. What? Yeah, Vicky. Mm-hmm. What
0: I know? I feel like this whole.
1: Girl, we should I rename know. this
0: episode called Vicky. What <laughs> yeah. I know. Okay, <laughs> Girl, so what? we're going to start with these two things. Yes. Okay.
2: One is talk. <laughs> we're, with, we're writing this down. We're, yeah. we're, I'm going to rip up our interview right now. <laughs> launch. We're going to talk through <laughs> your launch state, and, um, We're not doing the rest of this. Working with husband and
1: then today. Oh, but here's the best part. Okay, so oh. let me. So I'm pregnant. We're developing it. I, I give birth the day that we launched. Bad timing. Did were you early? No. I so did, did you just plan? So the you planned it for your, things take longer than you expect sometimes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it just
2: worked out. It so just, your daughter's birthday is a big. Or do you have a? Did you say you have? A daughter? I have a daughter, and they're, so they're twins.
1: A, okay. I have twins. Wait, you had, well, no, because Tatcha's a twin, and my daughters. Oh, so, you know they're twins. Got it. Okay. okay. They're the twins. Um, but then after that I'm starting to really run out of money and steam and And a mentor of mine is like this concept is too big for you and also you're not Japanese so you can't screw it up like you have to do it right so if you love this like you love your daughter you have to give it to a mother who can do it right and it felt like a kick in the gut but I felt he was right and so I almost sold the company when it was like two weeks old because I didn't I didn't want to fail my baby um and then there was uh there was the tsunami and then there was a nuclear accident. Yeah. And then I didn't know if anybody would ever want anything. Then they walked away. And um, But I'd held everything off for six months while we were negotiating. And so now I'm even more in debt. And we had to start everything over from scratch. But then I was like, I don't know if anybody's going to want to buy anything from Japan. Um. So that was like the first six months. Why
0: did you keep going?
1: Because I was optimizing for happiness and I believed in it.
0: Did your husband ever say, like, hey, hon, I also want to be happy, but like, (laughs) this is not working? He doesn't talk a lot. Okay. (laughs) Okay. What's your husband's name? Eric. Eric. Eric, We love Eric on the couch. (laughs) Very silent. How did
2: you emotionally handle having a newborn, being in debt? And like, was there ever a point where you were just overwhelmed?
1: Uh, I don't think so. Because you get to a point where it's like, what's the point of being overwhelmed? It doesn't change anything, right? Do you ever lose your temper? Rarely. What makes you stressed? Um,
0: the way, your team is now looking up and like, want to know the answer.
1: Inefficiency.
0: So okay, when that you, makes sense to me. So when <laughs> you see inefficiency, yeah. Yeah. what is your reaction? How do you react?
1: I try to fix it immediately. So you stay calm? Generally... Always. The team (laughs) team is (laughs) nodding and saying always. Generally.
0: So I sometimes go into organizational zones where I try to organize everything. And I'm currently in organizing my bathroom zone where I took everything out of my cabinet and put it on the sink. It's not pretty right now, but the first thing that I put back onto its pretty little shelf was my quip because Quip is the
2: best. It's easy and effective brushing. Quip automatically delivers brush heads to you every three months for clean new bristles right on schedule. I like the design. And you can, like, stick it on the mirror because it has the travel cap. It has good stickiness. Yes, the doubles as a mirror mount.
0: So Quip starts at just $25, and you get your first refill free at getquip.com slash skim. This is a simple way to support our show and start brushing better. Win-win. 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 But you have to go to getquip.com slash skim to get your first refill free. Right now, go to slash quip, skip. Okay, so then
2: when you guys decide like the acquisition isn't going to work out, you're even further behind square one, what happens next?
1: It was this constant cycle of moving the ball forward, running out of money. And then figuring out what more I could sell <laughs> to make the bills. So eventually the car was gone, the furniture was gone, couldn't pay rent anymore. So my parents, who were amazing, they had bought a house in San Francisco to be closer to us. And so I moved into their house and we worked out of their garage. Did
0: anyone try to have an intervention and just say, like, we also believe in this. We believe in optimizing for happiness. But like... Listen, like this is taking a long time or this is <laughs> this is not going as planned. Did did your parents try to Mm-mm. Have that conversation. Mm-mm. It's
1: incredible. My loved ones I mean, they gave me this face. Yeah.
0: She's
1: yeah. making a face right now. It's can't the see. oof. Yeah. This is painful to watch face, but they didn't say it. Um, the market though told me like, I have no idea what you're doing, but you shouldn't do it. So everybody was like, Asian beauty is not a thing in America. Nobody wants Japanese skincare. We don't even really want skincare if I'm being honest. Abort mission. Like just So what was the turning point? A few things. One was we couldn't get PR agencies to pick us up. We couldn't get beauty retailers to pick us up. So I started reaching out to makeup artists. There was a few of them. One of them, his name is Daniel Martin, Mario Dedevanovic, Matthew Van Leeuwen, and they immediately got it and loved it. And I will love them to the end of my days. They ended up being, you know, the makeup artists for Meghan Markle, Kim Kardashian. Matthew Van like too long of a list to even mention. And then from there, they got it into magazines, and editors were really the second kind of wave of angels. And we just spent the day yesterday with them. So Angelique Serrano, Catherine Piercy, you know, all these amazing beauty editors who are just like, I believe in you. You can't afford to do anything big, but like, I believe in you. At what point did your financial situation start to change? I didn't take a salary for nine years, and I went up to almost a million in debt. And I was living in my mom's house until like A year and a half ago
2: why did you guys take or consider taking outside funding
1: we didn't do that until a year and a half ago
2: (laughs) was it just that that was the point where the orders and trajectory picked up or was it you guys needed to be we
1: turned down you got sick
2: of living with your mom
1: (laughs) (laughs) we turned down acquisitions and institutional financing probably every year from year one um And it was because we wanted to control our destiny. We wanted to be a values-driven company. We wanted to fund girls' education. We wanted to create our own formulas from scratch, like a couture dress in Japan with our own scientists. Um, None of these things make sense financially at first. It's a very old-school way of building a beauty brand, and it's not the way 99% of beauty brands are built anymore. And so I knew that if we gave up control of the company, Early on, it would be natural for the acquirer or the investor to want to, you know, shift the model and put us into a different realm. But I just feel like you stand for something. You stand for nothing. So we just said no.
0: If your daughter, how old is your daughter now?
1: She's gonna turn ten in January.
0: So about if, if I don't know, twelve years from now, she comes to you after going to college and uh-huh. says, "I want to optimize her happiness." Yeah, I'm going to leave this debt that I have, and I'm going to continue to live off of debt, and I'm going to build my own business, and it's not going to work for
1: a decade. years, a decade. Years, decade. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: What will your reaction be?
1: Go for it. Go for it.
2: I love that. So tell us, where is Tatcha today?
1: Tatcha is exclusive to Sephora in the US, um, plus Vardings.com, and Hong Kong, and Canada, Australia, Singapore. I'm sure there's more, but I can't really remember. <laughs>
2: And how many people work at the company?
1: About 100 people. And um, our R&D offices, all of our scientists are in Japan. And then our marketers and salespeople are in San Francisco. And then we have an amazing field team across America and Canada. Uh,
0: Yeah. Talk to us about your philanthropic
1: part of your business. It's so important. I think that the beauty industry has done a real number on us, especially in the Western world. I wasn't a pretty girl growing up, but... um, I felt as I went into the beauty industry and I understood the way that we manipulate women's feelings to sell them things as a marketer, it made me really angry. <laughs> and I thought about the fact that, you know, back when we actually bought a lot of beauty in department stores, if you walked into a department store and said, I'm looking for a pair of jeans and they said, oh, okay, I see a big button short legs. I have some solutions to your problem. You would be like, is what? <laughs> but that's what they do at beauty counters. You walk in and you say, I'm looking for skincare. And they say, okay, I see fine lines and wrinkles. I see pores. I see dryness. I see acne. I've got some solutions to your problems. How is it okay to reduce people to a list of problems? So I had a really, really, really big problem with just how we define beauty and and value and self-worth to women in the US. And people ask me all the time, what have you learned from studying yeah, Asian beauty and Japanese beauty and studying with geisha and it's that beauty begins in the heart and the mind and then it's something that's gained with age not lost when you're young it's at the surface as you get older it goes deeper and deeper and deeper it's it's more intrinsic which is even more powerful and so I thought if that's a message we want to put out there then we have to put our money where our mouth is and so about five years ago we started a forever partnership with Room to Read. And it's called Beautiful Faces, Beautiful Futures. And every single purchase sends a girl to school around the world. And um, we crossed over 3 million days of school in June of this last year. And we'll hit 4 million days of school in April. And when we do our strat plans, our three-year strat plans, whatnot, it's always through the lens of millions of days of school. And when we report out, even just amongst our own finance and accounting team, what our metrics are looking like, the very top line that it says is number of days of school funded. Wow. It's incredible. Thanks.
2: Okay. Last question before we go to the lightning round. Um where do you want the company to be 5, 10 years from now?
1: My greater goal is for it to live at least 100 years because the companies that I'm inspired by in Japan are like 2, 3, 400 years old. So that it's not a big goal relative yeah. to them. I'd love for it to outlive me. And so what we do in the next five to 10 years in terms of foundation building, reinforcing culture, setting initial strategy will affect us, I think, for the next 50 years to come. So I'm going to be really, really focused on laying down the source code of the brand so that if I ever get hit by a bus, everybody knows what to do. We didn't come back to one thing we promised we would. Your husband reported into you? He did. What
0: was his his job? He was heading up finance and operations. Was what was the best part of that and the worst part of that?
1: The best part of that is that I knew I had someone who always put the company's interest first instead of self-interest. Um, so I could sleep well at night knowing that somebody loved the company as much as I did was the one paying the bills. Um, the worst part of it was, I mean, I was fine with it. <laughs> <he would> be <laughs> falling, Eric was not so yeah. into that. He would be falling asleep and I'd be like, hey, 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 right. hey. <laughs> is that shipment coming in? And he's like, oh my God. bedtime.
0: Understood. Okay. (laughs) Lightning um, round.
2: It is pretty self-explanatory. We ask a question, you answer as quickly as you can.
1: I love it.
0: Ready? Yes. First job? Tutor. Worst job? Tutor.
1: (laughs) Worst professional mistake you've ever made? That wasn't very lightning of me. Um, Running out of money seven times, uh, starting my own company.
0: First phone call when you get good news? My daughter. Bad news,
1: my husband.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, when's the last time you negotiated for yourself?
1: Every minute of every day.
0: <laughs> we read that you travel about ninety percent of the time.
1: Seventy now.
0: Seventy. So yeah. What's your best jet lag recovery tip?
1: Um, exercise.
0: Worst piece of advice you've gotten? Uh, to give up. Vicky. Thank you. Congratulations. You're
1: extraordinary. Thank you. Can I tell you one thing? Yes. I wish you were around when I was starting out 10 years ago, because there weren't things like this. And I didn't know where to go to for inspiration or advice. I got really, really lucky that I found some mentors like Leslie Blodgett and Christina Carlino from the beauty industry. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. But I think that what you're doing is very very, very important. So thank you so much. Thank you for
2: saying Vicky. that. That's so nice. Your favorite, you episode. Your favorite episode. You can ever. come back whenever you yeah. want. Uh. Um, everyone go buy some Tatcha. Support Vicky and her company. I'm going to go cry. Me girls too. education. Let's just support girls <laughs> yes. education. Okay. Thank, thank you. Thank you,
1: Vicky.
2: Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next week for another
0: episode of Skim from the Couch. And if you can't wait until then, subscribe to our daily email newsletter that gives you all the important news and information you need to start your day. Sign up
2: at theskim.com. That's the S K I M M.com. Two M's for a little something extra.